Um, hello, everybody, uh, and Kia Ora. Today, uh, we will present Austro's upcoming projects, and you will also hear um, how our programs work and what is required to become a successful tenderer. We have more than 400 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Paul Davis, uh, Austroads General Manager Programs, who is one of our presenters today, and he will also moderate uh, Q&A breaks throughout the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. So a bit of housekeeping. Uh, today's webinar will run for one hour and 15 minutes, and we will have time for uh, questions and answers throughout the webinar. These slides can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please uh, use it to send us your questions for the Q&As. In your message, uh, include the project that your question uh, relates to. You can also use that same question section to let us know if uh, you have any technical problems, but a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session by your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find Austroads in your podcast app. So our agenda for today, uh, we will first hear from Paul Davis, uh, Austroads General Manager Programs. Paul will introduce uh, today's session and will outline what is required to work with Austroads. After Paul, our Communications Manager, Elena Gardner, will talk you through uh, the Austroads approach to research data collection and management. Then uh, each program manager will provide an overview of their projects. And after each presentation, we will have a few minutes uh, for questions. So welcome to all our presenters and I will now hand over to Paul. Over to you, Paul. Thank you, Ekaterina, and welcome everybody. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm going to give a brief overview at the start, just covering a little bit of what it means to work for Austroads, who we are, and, uh, and what will help you be a successful consultant working with us. So firstly, who we are about Austroads. Austroads is a member-based organisation and our members are state and territory transport agencies, the Commonwealth Department, New Zealand uh, Transport Agency, Waka Katahi, and the Australian Local Government Association. Put simply, we exist to solve problems for our members. Uh, we're relatively small, we employ around 70 staff based in both Sydney and Melbourne, and we deliver our work through uh, both the programmatic uh, structure, which is what we're going to talk about today, but we also provide a number of national services such as Transport Certification Australia, the National Exchange of Vehicle and Driver Information System, and a few others as well. How our programs work, as I said, we're governed by a board and uh, comprising senior executive representatives of each of our member organisations. Austro's works on behalf of and in partnership with our members to deliver our work program. And the way we manage that is that each work program has associated with it a number of task forces. 
uh, and the task force is represented by the subject matter experts, typically quite senior subject matter experts, uh, relating to the topics covered by that task force. So we have that triangle, as you see on the screen, of connection between strategic leadership from our board, ourselves, and the task forces who we partner with to deliver our work. Our work program comprises projects which are typically delivered by consultants working under the oversight of a project manager, and our project managers are often from within member agencies. Today, our program managers, they'll be outlining our projects that are on the, on the agenda for the 2022-23 financial year. In terms of working with Ofsroads, once a project is approved by the board, we work with task force representatives to develop a project brief, and in most cases, we publish a request for tender. We generally assess the tenders based on the understanding of the project, the capacity and the um, capability of the organisation and its staff, and the suitability of the proposed methodology and the value for money that it offers to our members. Our goal is to maximise that value for our members. So a successful tenderer will ultimately sign a master services agreement with Ostroads, which is a, essentially a contract that will govern all of the work that you do for us. That's if you don't already have one, of course. And then that's out to all of our general conditions. So some tips on working with Ostroads successfully include uh, consultants working on Ostroads projects will generally work very closely with the project manager and project control group to ensure the project stays on track and delivering its objectives that it's set out to deliver. Providing regular reporting, monitoring, updating on the projects, its risks and its issues, and meeting delivery schedules on time. Often the primary deliverable for a project will be a publication such as a report or a guide, and Ostroad seeks to drive practical changes to realise benefits for our members. So a successful consultant will keep that in mind as they develop those reports and create that guidance on our behalf. In some cases, projects will lead to new national services and the practical implementation of those national services, again, should be a key consideration at each stage of those projects. Ostroads in turn will support the consultants working on our projects by providing very clear guidance and direction and helping to manage risks and issues and, of course, helping to coordinate that communication with our members so that those needs are properly met. Successful delivery of project with Ostroads will stand you in good stead for future work as well. We're also introducing some new research and data practices this year, which Elena Gardner uh, will speak to very shortly. And what we'll do today is our program managers will run through each of the projects that we're going to cover in each of those programs that we operate at Ostroads. So Ross Guppy is the program manager for the Transport, and Infra Transport Infrastructure Work Program, Michael Newersteeg for the Road Safety and Design Program, Amy Knowles for the Transport Network Operations Program, and Vivica Matthews will be covering both the Future Vehicles and Technology Program and the Environment and Sustainability Work Program. I'll be moderating this session along with Ekaterina, and I'll try to focus on questions that are likely to have a broad interest to, uh, to most consultants. Um, certainly, if you have another question, feel free to raise it through this, uh, through this um, webinar or separately with us if you think of it afterwards as well. That can often be the case. Thank you very much, everyone. I will, uh, as I say, if there's any questions now, I'm happy to take them, but uh, I, I will uh, also um, give you opportunities to raise them as we go along. Right now, though, I'll introduce Elena Gardner, who's our Manager of Communications, to talk about some of our uh, research project data collection and management. Thanks, Elena. Thanks, Paul.
So hi everybody, um, thanks for joining us. I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes talking to you about a change in the way that Austroads will require consultants to manage research data in future projects. So in the last strategic plan, we identified data as a key focus area, and this change is just a small part of the work that's responding to that new focus area. So we've got a vision that Austroads data is fair and that, that it's findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable. And to that aim, in the future, we are going to require that all project data be provided as a project deliverable. We'll also be requiring that it's formatted in a way that makes the ongoing access uh, straightforward and that a detailed metadata record is supplied with, with each data collection. So when we're talking about research project data, we're talking about really any information that's been collected, observed, generated or created to inform or validate the original research findings. And so that might include things like structured data, so things like CSV files, databases, Excel spreadsheets um, and unstructured data. And in unstructured data, we're talking about a really wide range of content, things like figures, photographs, videos, scans, documents, surveys, digital models. Um, it's quite broad. We do understand that some data used in projects is sensitive and um, at times there will be restrictions on sharing and in some cases supplying that data. We do understand that and we don't want this to be a barrier to using any types of data. So in those cases where we've got restricted data, we will still require a metadata record to be supplied that describes that data set so that if we need to in the future, we can easily locate that, that data and um, understand the access restrictions and a contact for the managing organisation that's looking after that data. We're also going to deal with physical artefacts from research projects in a similar way. So if you're creating, for example, asphalt samples as part of a project, we will require a metadata record that describes the materials and their management into the future. So, why are we going to make that change or what are we going to change, sorry. For all new projects, we'll be requiring consultants to provide a data management plan as part of the early stages of project delivery. We'll be providing a template for that plan. And that plan is really just about making sure that the project data is consistent with standards, that it's well described and that it's securely managed. The data requirements will be included in the project briefs and the statement of works and that will flow onto data milestones and deliveries in, pro in deliverables in projects. We'll also be supplying a metadata template which will need to be handed over with the data as a project deliverable. And you might be asking, why are we going to do this? It's um, really, it's about good practice. It helps us meet the national standards for the way research is undertaken. But also that the data is a really significant part of the investment we make into the project. And we wanna make sure that we are capitalizing on that investment. There are times when we need to repeat uh, the work that's done or to justify the findings, and this will help us to do that if that's necessary. And we do think that there might be opportunities in the future to use or combine data in other research. And so that really caps off what, um, what I was gonna cover. Are there any questions, Paul? Thank you, Elena. No, there's no questions for you, but I do have one for me. So uh, thank you very much to the person who's asked that. 
And the question is, do all consultants undertaking Austroad's work require an ABN, an Australian business number? And the short answer is there are legal requirements to have an ABN at certain scales of work and the vast majority of Austroad's projects will exceed that scale of work. So thank you very much for the question. I'll now hand over to Ross Guppy to talk through the Transport Infrastructure Program of Work for the next financial year. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so just a quick background on the projects that we're going to run through and the program itself is the aim of the program is to help asset managers deliver an affordable and sustainable level of service for the road users in the community. The program itself covers five task forces, but uh, this year we're going to focus the work in the assets and pavements areas only. Um, the outputs are going to be things such as new um, updated guidance, research, project webinars. And the aim of the program itself is really to look at saving money, improving practice, improving climate resistance, or improving the customer experience. So the first couple of projects, screen to change, sorry, um, for your consideration are in the assets area. Um, the first project itself is it's a relatively small one, the scoping of an update to the guide to asset management. At the moment, with the review of the international standards on asset management, there's an opportunity for us to transform the guide from its current form to an updated and refreshed version to best meet the needs of our members. Now, this is expected to involve a two-stage process, with the, the initial step being the development of a scoping paper to give a clear understanding of the drivers for the change uh, to decide if progression to stage two is justified. Doing the project this way will enable us to be a more focused evolution of the guide and to gain better buy-in from our members. Looking at the project to um, give us a more informed approach to the level of investment needed to address any potential gaps or shortcomings. So the deliverable for this will be an internal report in the form of a scoping paper. The second project in the assets area is incorporating climate change resilience into asset management. And the intent of the project is to improve the road network resilience by incorporating climate change resilience into asset management processes. So in particular, we're looking at the more frequent extreme events that are generally beyond the current design assumptions. These events lead to premature failure, whole, higher whole of life costs, uh, and associated disruptions to the level of service provided. We expect the project to help our members to articulate the funding needs in managing the network resilience and optimise investment on climate risk mitigation based on a whole of network vulnerability. There's going to be a fairly strong linkage um, to the Environment and Sustainability Program project for climate change risk assessment guidelines with FIBA K we'll discuss later. Um, we see this as a complementary piece of work. This particular project will allow our members to take the results of the risk assessments and then build them into asset management decisions. So we're expecting the deliverables to be a research report and a webinar. So moving to the pavements area, we have five projects under the pavements task force direction. The first project is looking at maximising the life of sprayed seals. With that project, we want to assess methods for identifying binders that have superior crack resistance when aged, and hence look to extend the life of sprayed seals. The project will also uh, look at assessing alternatives to the durability test that better reflect the fatigue performance of aged bitumens. Some of the issues include the difficulty 
in obtaining high durability bitumens from overseas and the lack of applicability to polymer modified binders. There's some benefits are obviously improvements to the surfacing life, a reduction in maintenance costs and a potential increase in the number of refineries that we could be used to import bitumen into Australia. Deliverables are a test method and a technical report. Next project in the pavements area is to in look at the feasibility of using anti-strip additives as an alternative to hydrated lime. Uh, we also want to uh, gain a, a good understanding of the supply uh, and the, the feasibility replacement in Asheville. This has been brought about because industry has indicated that demand may be nearing supply capacity and Asheville suppliers have approached some of our transport agency members to consider using anti-stripping additives. Um, the disruption in the supply of hydrated lime could delay projects. It could also expose our members to increased risk of asphalt failures. So the benefits from this would be clearly a better understanding of the availability of hydrated lime and the ability to use anti-stripping additives as an alternative. Uh, the, the deliverables will be a research report and a project webinar. The next project is really looking at um, trying to finalise the design procedures for foam bitumen stabilised pavements. So what we want to do is to um, work on the two recently completed uh, FBS projects, uh, Australia's projects, and, and to develop a accurate and technically based guidance for the design and performance of foam bitumen stabilised pavements. The project will hopefully develop our understanding uh, to a point where we can uh, develop more accurate design requirements and a performance model. The deliverables will be an update to the guide to pavement technology, parts two and part five as well as a webinar. Uh, the next project is looking at improving the environmental impact of, of sprayed ceiling. So um, many of you would know that sprayed ceiling is heavily reliant on the use of non-renewable materials, um, things like petroleum-based cutters, jet fuels, and these all add to carbon emissions. The, the issue we're dealing with is that there are a lot of new materials and methods becoming available. Uh, many of these claim to increase the life of sprayed seals and obviously improve the sustainability of these treatments, but there's not uh, a great deal of independent critical analysis available uh, on the benefits and risks of using these. So this project aims to provide that guidance on the options to improve sustainability and to potentially allow agencies to adopt materials and technologies that reduce carbon footprint. Uh, there will be a research report and a project webinar. So the last project is uh, looking at um, a test method that can satisfactorily measure the segregation in hybrid polymer modified binders. We need to measure that to assess storage stability, um, particularly with PMBs that are modified um, with hybrids such as uh, crumb rubber and plastics. What can happen is that one of the polymers may rise to the top of the test sample, another may settle to the bottom of the test sample and that can give if you like a false impression that there's no segregation happening. So we want this project to address that risk of using uh, hybrid PMBs uh, that are likely to segregate. It will also enable our manufacturers to demonstrate the suitability of their innovative products in terms of handling and storage. Uh, the deliverables will be test methods, technical report and a webinar. Uh, and that's it from me, happy to take any questions. Thank you, Ross. There are no questions for you, but there is another one for me, and this is a lesson for me to clarify uh, uh, 
make sure I answer questions very, very clearly. Austroads itself doesn't require an Australian business number for our consultants, uh, but we would expect that Australian-based consultants doing our work would probably require one uh, under Australian law. And New Zealand-based consultants, we strongly encourage you to uh, to look to to work with Austroads, and uh, you wouldn't need an ABN being governed by the jurisdiction New Zealand. Thank you. I'll now hand over to Michael Neuesteeg, who will talk about the Road Safety and Design Program. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So, um, the Austrange Road Safety and Design Program exists to create the path to eliminating road trauma. We're presently focused on laying the foundations for the transition of the road transport system to deliver on our zero harm ambition. And our program has three task forces. The Registration and Licensing Task Force is embarking on two new projects this year. First, the um, Assessing Fitness to Drive Guide. It's Austro's most downloaded document. And it's used primarily by medical and allied health professionals to support their fitness to drive assessments for people with poor or declining health. This project looks to prepare Austro's to provide a national service that will support Australian state and territory licensing authorities to implement the strategy that we developed last year as part of an existing project. This new project will also seek to develop training to support health practitioners who carry out fitness to drive assessments. Benefits of this project include consistent quality application of the new guidelines, development of expertise, and the creation of strong partnerships with the medical and transport sectors. The other registration and licensing task force project deals with the licensing of overseas drivers and the recognition of drivers from countries with suitable driver training systems. Currently, Australian states and territories apply a range of approaches to the assessment, acceptance, and transfer of overseas issued licenses. Questions arise about the validity of documentation, license holder identity, um, and the equivalence of vehicle classes. These questions can be complex, time-consuming, and inefficient for agencies to resolve. This can cause tension both domestically and in relations with other countries. Two previous projects have explored how to overcome these challenges, and 13 policy reforms have been recently endorsed by the task force. This project will implement a harmonised policy in relation to overseas issued driver licences by setting up a centralised service for the administration of the recognised country scheme and a governance mechanism to manage the arrangements. It will also develop a strategy for educating overseas drivers. The second task force in the Road Safety Design Program deals with road design. And this year, the Road Design Task Force is elected to focus on their fundamental role as a provider of high quality road design guidance and has just one project. So the Austroids Guide to Road Design plays a crucial role in assuring the quality of road design in Australia and New Zealand, and it's downloaded thousands of times every month. The current version of the Guide to Road Design came out in 2009. And it's had many updates since. It's a complex set of guidelines that currently do not meet all of our needs or evolve quickly enough. Maintaining contemporary knowledge and curating a cohesive set of world-class guidance is an immense challenge. We need to be sufficiently agile in our guidance management to meet the diverse needs of our users, especially those in local government. This project looks to set the scene for a broad strategic review of Austro's guidance in road design, traffic management and safety. Noting a recent strategic review of the traffic management guide and a recent restructure of the safety guide. Through this project, we will develop our understanding of how guidance is developed and used. 
will review international guidance and identify gaps in our current guide management practice. And we will look to other sectors for ideas. Finally, the Road Safety Task Force uh, has proposed three projects for this year. Our first road safety project is a flagship project for our program. It responds to the recent targets made in both New Zealand and Australia to align with global ambitions and eliminate death and serious injury by 2050. We don't yet have a plan to get to zero road trauma and never in the past have we been able to sustain the sort of reductions that we will need if we're going to come close to our ambitious targets. We will be able to benefit from the early efforts New Zealand and New South Wales in particular have made in grappling with the question of how we can deliver on our vision. Our intention is to work hand in hand with a selection of jurisdictions and local governments to make sure that our guidance is relevant and usable. The project outputs will allow jurisdictions to quantify the impacts of road trauma and the health, social and economic benefits of eliminating death and serious injury. The project will also assist with efforts to optimise future investment in infrastructure over the coming decades by understanding possible 2050 end states in which the human and the vehicle will be able to function at very low risk without the need for costly investment in infrastructure. Our next project comes from the recognition that unfortunately we've had little success over the past two decades in reducing the overall numbers of deaths and serious injuries to our most vulnerable road users, pedestrians. While we have seen some recent research and analysis of the pedestrian problem, there is still much to learn. This project will start with a discovery phase that will tap into existing data, literature and practitioner knowledge about the pedestrian trauma problem and will establish a strategy to ensure the ongoing capture of national pedestrian data. This will be followed by a second phase that will review existing pedestrian trauma prevention strategies locally and internationally. The third phase will develop content for inclusion in our guidance, the road design, traffic management and safety guides, as well as a pedestrian safety toolkit for practitioners with a particular emphasis on local government. The fourth and final phase will involve lots of consultation with road safety and active transport planners, policy experts, engineers and academics to develop recommendations and an action plan, along with material to support funding applications and stakeholder engagement. Our final safety project addresses an important safety issue, restraints used in vehicles by children with disabilities and medical conditions. The alignment with the National Road Safety Strategy is very high, noting the target in that strategy for zero deaths of children under the age of seven by 2030. This project will address knowledge gaps in relation to safety harnesses and vests in motor vehicles in order to assist the development of guidance and standards for their adoption and use. This project will review harnesses and vests commonly used by children with disabilities and medical conditions in both Australia and New Zealand and will identify any safety risks associated with their use. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Michael, and uh, certainly encourage anyone, if you have any questions for Michael or Ross, I can raise those as we go through the rest of the presentation, but you don't have any right now, Michael, so thanks very much for your presentation. I'll now introduce Amy Knowles, who's the Program Manager for the Transport Network Operations Program. Thank you, Paul. Thank you and hello everyone. I'm Amy Knowles and this is the Transport Network Operations Program. The aim of our program is to help road managers improve 
mobility for all users of our transport system. The program covers three task forces and similar to Ross and Michael's programs, the, the planned outputs for this year will include new and updated guidance, research and uh, project webinars. And we, we work to the, the, the belief that the transport of people and goods is at the core of our program and all projects should help road managers balance the conflicting needs that they're experiencing while improving customer experience overall. The Network Operations Task Force has four new projects for the next financial year. Movement in place guidance. The Network Task Force has suggested four interdependent projects designed to reshape the Austroads Guide to Traffic Management. These projects are centred on a movement and place approach, that is understanding, understanding the extent a road is a place for people, that is a destination, and or a transport corridor or, or a link. The first project is to establish guidance for members to develop movement and place frameworks and for this to be incorporated in the AGTM in a foundational way. The project will build on the current guidance in the AGTM and will also be informed by the rapidly evolving work being done by several of our member jurisdictions. Second project, guidance for cycling and micromobility planning will, like the first project, improve our cycling and micromobility guidance grounded on the same movement and place principles. Micromobility is a rapidly emerging challenge for our road managers and designers that needs to be considered alongside cycling to help manage those conflicting needs for our public spaces and support safe active travel. This project will be designed to support a wide range of transport professionals in planning for this new challenge. Our third project, Guidance for Pedestrian Planning, will also build, will provide pedestrian guidance based and aligned on movement in place principles. So in addition to managing the safe and efficient movement of walkers, cyclists and micro-mobility users, this proposal will specifically consider pedestrians using mobility devices such as mobility scooters and wheelchairs. The fourth pro project in the Network Task Force is guidance for pedestrians and related treatments at signalised intersections. This project will provide more targeted advice on how to manage the needs of pedestrians and vulnerable road users at what is one of our most known worst conflict points, signalised intersections. The project will have the objective of improving safety and mobility for all road users. Moving on to the Freight Task Force, the Freight Task Force has five new projects this year. The first project I'll speak to is Contemporary Heavy Vehicle Access Decision-Making for Road Managers. This project is designed to implement an intelligent automated system to support our road managers' restricted access vehicle access decisions. It'll be based strongly on the Department of State Growth in Tasmania's HVAM system. It will reduce costs for road managers and support improved asset management. Recognising that road managers are facing significant challenges in managing requests for access, and there's often a trade-off between access certainty and access optimisation. Industry have highlighted the benefits of access certainty in improving our productivity and competitiveness and driving down the costs of goods and services given Australia and New Zealand's reliance on road freight transport. 
To achieve the same, road managers need the capacity to ensure pavements and infrastructure are used effectively, recognising that asset usage delivers public benefits, but, but, but how important it is that it remains at a level which is within the agency's ability to, or capacity to manage those assets. The project will tightly focus on the roles and responsibilities of the road manager, making the system independent of its regulatory environment. That is to say, members who are participants in the heavy vehicle national law and those who are not will both be able to derive value from the system. Austroids will be directed by our owners, the road managers, and build the system from initiatives established within Austroids, uh, the National Telematics Framework and NEVDIS, and by our members, HVAMs. The plan will be to design a system first for restricted access vehicles, and this project is proposed as an implementation project, and therefore the first priority will be to develop an inception report for board approval. Further elements are likely to come to market later after the inception report. Moving on to the second project in the freight task force, future freight vehicles and buses, implications for road managers. The need for this project arose from two different but related problems which the freight task force wanted to address. The two aspects of the project are, firstly, an analysis of potential low and zero emission vehicle uptake scenarios in the freight sector and also considering other heavy vehicles such as buses, recognising the emerging vehicles available and their suitability for the different freight and passenger tasks in our jurisdictions and providing advice for road managers on the supporting infrastructure that they would need to plan for, such as battery recharging facilities. Secondly, the project will seek to support road managers to manage the impact of heavier vehicles on assets such as pavements and structures. This project, and this, this aspect is responding to the increased number of vehicles with uh, increased stair and drive axle masses and potentially the increased torque of electric vehicles and it will recommend options to mitigate those impacts. The project will not be designed to encourage uptake of low and zero emission vehicles or heavier vehicles, but will be more to arm our Austroads members to plan and respond effectively to the demands they're likely to bring. This project is expected to include practical lab testing, such as accelerated loading of pavements under heavier masses. And the freight task force will formally collaborate with the bridge task force and pavement task force throughout the project. The next project is designing roads for large freight vehicles. This project is designed to create harmonised guidance for our members on designing roads for large freight vehicles. It is intended to be a two-stage project with stage one led by the freight task force and stage two led by the road design task force. The current harmonised guidance for road design is based on reference vehicles, and the largest of these is a 19 metre semi-trailer combination. As our members continue to enable larger freight vehicles, they've had to individually manage the design of roads for larger combinations, some of which are extremely common, such as a B-double. This project will, under the guidance of the freight task force, specify what large vehicles need from the road. These specifications will then be passed to the road design task force to lead consequential amendments to the Austroads Guide for Road Design and facilitate a harmonised approach. The fourth project, Research into Urban Freight Movement Patterns, is designed to enhance our collective understanding of the impacts of recent COVID restrictions in terms of freight movements, acknowledging that some impacts are likely to persist. Our network models therefore may need to be updated. 
While the methodology will is yet to be determined in detail, it is expected that telematics data, particularly non-regulatory telematics data, will be used to establish a pre and post pandemic picture of freight movement. The output will be a research report that will serve as an evidence base for potential future proposals to update guidance or models. And the final project in the Freight Task Force, Opportunities to Increase Freight and Supply Chain Resilience, has been proposed to build upon Austro's 2016 report, Identification of a Risk Indicator to Support Lifeline Freight Routes. This project has been raised noting that recent challenges to resilience, such as the COVID restrictions and major natural disasters, were not limited to edge of network effects. In addition to recognising the vulnerability of broader road networks, the proposal is to modernise the Lifeline Risk Indicator tool and include recommendations for improving network resilience. That's it from me. Any questions, Paul? Thank you very much, Amy. No, there are no questions. Very well explained. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'll now introduce Vivica Matthews, who will start off firstly talking about the Future Vehicles and Technology Program of Work, but as Vivica is managing two programs at Austro, she'll also move straight into the Environment Sustainability Program of Work. Thank you, Vivica. Thank you, Paul, and welcome, everybody. Uh, I am Vivica Matthews, and the first program of work I would introduce you to our new projects for is the Future Vehicles and Technology Program. As you will be aware, the future mobility technologies is rapidly evolving, um, and therefore this program is aiming to optimize the societal benefits um, that our transport agencies, our members and their customers can derive from these new technologies and also um, assist them in preparing for these new technologies entering into this space. The first project um, that we are putting up um, is guidance for developing a standardised transport data exchange for Australia and New Zealand. Um, with the connected and automated vehicles, it's all about the data. Some of our previous work has identified that there is a need for standardised uh, data exchange format for establishing appropriate quality and data governance framework to maintain the data integrity to enable a better data provision for the connected and automated vehicles. Australia and New Zealand are really technology takers. We are fairly small markets, so therefore we can't be leaders in this field. And therefore we often look to Europe and the US as the leaders. In this case, Europe is setting a really great example to follow with their agreed operating ecosystem with specific target services and that coordinate participants in the traffic information data value chain which in turn enables agencies to operate in a coordinated and harmonized way. So this project will document a development path and guidance for road authorities in Australia and New Zealand to grow their provision capability, data provision capability to enable better data provision for connected and automated vehicles. So this project aims to deliver the very important first step toward a nationally harmonized connected transport ecosystem by ado adopting the European platform. Thereby, it will move um, the agency's data and service delivery to a level where these services can operate across Australia and New Zealand in a coordinated and harmonized way. So this project will deliver a national transport data service guidelines 
um, that define data exchange format and quality expectations, as well as the governance framework. The next project um, we are going to deliver is developing digital twins in road transport. And this is from a uh, connected and automated vehicle perspective. So this project will provide a clearer understanding of the digital twins from that CAF perspective. The project will conduct an initial examination of how digital twins can be developed and used to support improved decision-making and help deliver efficiencies in road transport planning from a CAF perspective. A sound understanding is really needed of how digital twins in the road transport sector relates to other work on visualization of the road network and the potential benefits that could flow on from improved coordination in the use of these tools and the resulting data sets, especially with the increasing uptake of connected and automated vehicles on our road network. Worth to note is that this project is not duplicating or contradicting the digital engineering project that's being delivered under Ross's project or program of work, but it looks at um, the benefits and opportunities digital twins can provide to connected and automated, automated vehicles and ensuring that the specific needs for these calves are taken into account. The third project, local government and data provision for connected and automated vehicles. As you all would probably know, the majority of our roads making up the road network in Australia and New Zealand is either controlled or managed by local government. Um, it's in Australia and New Zealand, it's Australia is 73% and New Zealand is approximately 88%. So it's quite a significant share that the local government has. And therefore, local government needs to be prepared, prepared for this incoming connected and automated vehicles that enters into their red network, or there could be a significant risk of an interrupted experience for road users when they're crossing from a state road to a local government road, and that could potentially impact road safety. Historically, state government has supported local government to address large technology changes, and this is no different. The prevalence of vehicles on our road network um, with embedded and enabled connectivity will continue to increase, and vehicles with more advanced self-driving features are also starting to become quite commonplace. So this project will develop an information base for use by our members with the view to develop a possible pathway for onboarding local governments into this new technology space and the associated strategies for supporting them in a cost-efficient and effective way. Worth to note is that the pathways might be partitioned based on the broad geographic and geographic characteristic and um, different needs and readiness across our local governments. And coming to the next project, minimum requirements for traffic signs, traffic signals, and line markings. When road authorities are looking to make investments into signs, lines, and signals, they spend a lot of time identifying the current documentation of research projects, trials, standards, and specifications, as well as published documents, which could influence and inform their decisions. So this project aims to reduce that time requirement by providing a bit of a one-stop shop of trial spec standards and guidelines conducted in Australia and New Zealand, as well as internationally, uh, in the preparation for CAFs in this traffic signs, signals, and line marking area. And 
by doing that, it will also um, potentially identify some gaps um, in this area that could lead to some future work for this program. The last project um, in our Future Vehicles and Technology program is an implementation project. So it is implementing some new data fields into NIFTIS, and NIFTIS is our National Exchange of Vehicle and Driver Information System. And it is with the aim to accommodate the automated and electric vehicles. So our jurisdictions need a consistent set of national data requirements for automated vehicles and electric vehicles, um, in, which is really critical in their support of the vehicle registration process. So this year we ran a project identifying the data fields that was needed to include um, the AVs and EVs into NIFTIS. Uh, and this project would then build on the outcome of that project. So this new implementation project will change NEFTIS and the interfaces with jurisdictions systems to collect and use the new data attributes for automated vehicles and electric vehicles. The project will support uh, the new registration schemes for low and zero emission vehicles, and it will also prepare NEFTIS for when the new regulation on the AVs are introduced. And that was all of the projects in the future vehicles and technology space. Um, as Paul mentioned, the questions uh, for this program will take them after the next program that I'm also having the pleasure of looking after. So that program is the Environment and Sustainability Program. It's the newest program in Osroad. We've existed for a year by now. And this year we are pleased to put forward five new projects. The aim of this program is to ensure that environment and sustainability outcomes are at the heart of all transport decision making. And it's worth noting that we can't do this in isolation. So a lot of the work that we are doing in this program is delivered through a lot of collaboration with the other task forces and programs within Osroad. The first project um, we are putting up um, is development of a tool for measuring carbon and recycled content of infrastructure. As the saying goes, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. The current infrastructure assessment framework only cover the estimation of enabled emissions and doesn't include embodied or operational emissions. So this project seeks to develop a one common approach to calculate all greenhouse gas emissions through developing a single online scalable tool for our members. The tool is intended to be based on a tool that Transport for New South Wales have developed, pending approval and assessment of that tool, and also with some input from a great tool New Zealand has developed. But this project will deliver a single tool that will facilitate accurate reporting of emissions associated with construction, operation, and maintenance, and in a in addition, it will enable an aggregation of the data and the benchmarking by state and territories. The next project, Transport Agency Emissions Reduction Opportunities. Our member agencies have a great focus on and are under a lot of pressure to deliver on the net zero targets. Therefore, it was found that there is a need for having a bit of a deeper dive and outline the current and potential activities addressing the emission reductions for the transport agencies. It's worth noting that several states and territories have developed a lot of their own initiatives to achieve the net zero targets, 
but to achieve a consistent approach, a trans-testament tool and guideline is really needed. So through developing a catalog of effective activities for reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, this project will encourage that consistent approach across all of the transport agencies, and it will also enable a much easier way to sharing lessons learned. The project will generate a shared and agreed understanding of the transport emissions contributors and where to focus the effort to get the greatest value out of the investments. The next project is a bit of a small project, but quite important in its WMAPT update of temperature projections. WMPT is weighted mean annual pavement temperature. So the aim of this project is to op update um, the weighted mean annual pavement temperature projections from different regions and jurisdictions in Oshroad's Guide to Pavement Technology Part 2, the pavement structural design. The distribution of temperature both on a daily and a seasonal basis has an important bearing on pavement performance. Climatic event and particular temperature has a significant effect on the aging of the materials, which has to be considered in the design stage. And with the impact of climate change, the temperature projection currently used in the guide needs a bit of a review and potentially to be amended. So that's the aim of this project. So the updated guide would contribute to delivering road pavements that are designed to withstand future climate and avoid an early replacement of pavements. As this project um, is updating the pavement guide, um, it will of course be delivered in very close collaboration with the pavement task force that Ross is looking after. And the next project we have is prioritizing active transport. The current reliance on private vehicles contribute towards pollution, carbon emissions, poor public health, congestion, and also lower quality urban environments. So this project seeks to support transport agencies and local government agencies that are seeking to increase the mode share of active transport within the jurisdictions. And we will do that by developing an overview of interventions that can be implemented with an economic assessment of each of the interventions. The guidance will be developed through an analysis of best practice across state and territories, as well as overseas initiatives. And in addition, a cost-benefit economic analysis of each inter intervention will be developed. And this is going to assist our members in selecting the initiative that provides the best value for them. This project has a potential to collaborate um, with the Cycling and Walking Australia and New Zealand uh, on in the delivery of it. The last project um, in the program um, is our biggest project, and that's the Climate Change Risk Assessment Guidelines. Assets in our transport infrastructure are vulnerable to the climate event, and as climate change is not always, uh, especially as climate change is not always accounted for in the design. A number of different risk assessment tools and strategies have been developed by individual member organizations, but we don't have any shared uh, methodology. So the purpose of this project is to obtain that common guidance of climate change risk assessment across all of Oshroad's member organizations. And to get that, the project will initially conduct a stock take of all of the existing climate change risk assessment guidelines 
um, that is out there and then it will review the applicability and identify potential gaps. This will support the planning and implementation of designs that are more resilient and adaptable to um, climate events and in turn it would also avoid cost associated with a potential damage and replacement of vulnerable transport infrastructure projects. And as Ross mentioned earlier, I would just reiterate, it's not a duplication of Ross's project, but these two projects complement each other to a great degree. And that was all there was for Future Vehicles and Technology Program and also the Environment and Sustainability Program. Thank you. Thank you, Vipika. I do have a few questions popping up, not for you though, Vibeke, you are uh, off the hook. Um, and I will stress, I'll, I'll try and take a select few of the questions that are likely to be of interest to everyone, but we will try and get back to as many as we can on, on other more specific questions. Uh, one that I'll answer on Amy's behalf was around project NEF 6392, and was that a clarification point? Is that a uh, two separate projects or two parts of one project? That is a singular project. It does have multiple parts that are quite closely related, which is why it's being offered as a singular project. And I'd certainly encourage uh, any consultants looking at that particular one if they think part of it is one that they would be best able to deliver to work in partnership with another consultant to put forward a, a tender to that as well. I do have another question. Uh, regarding will Austroads publish a program showing the likely open date for the tendering of each project. We certainly plan ahead to try and ensure that we have a good spread of projects over the course uh, of the next, um, typically the first half of the financial year is when we'll be putting those out for tender and we try and spread that out across each project as well. We don't publish a specific program as such but uh, we'll hand over to Ekaterina now who will talk about the best way to keep in the loop as to when those projects are put out for tender. Thank you, Paul, and thanks everybody for um, your time today. Um, yes, as you can see on the screen, uh, you can find all our tenders uh, advertised uh, on the website, so austroads.com.au forward slash tenders or you can also stay up to date uh, by subscribing to our Roadwatch Tenders newsletter. Um, so we have uh, four webinars coming up, so if you are interested in uh, any of them, please register on the Australia's website. And I think that's um, it for today. And um, as usual, after we close out today's session, uh, there will be a questionnaire on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes um, to send us your feedback. Let us know what you liked or didn't like about the session today. Um, we are recording uh, today's webinar and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. Uh, thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and we uh, will see you next time.